Susie and I recently re-watched the extended version of The Lord of the Rings and the clip that we've just seen is one of our utter favourites. The odds are totally stacked against Aragorn and his people in the battle for Helm's Deep and yet there is always hope. Now spoiler alert, if you don't know the film then basically the battle goes terribly. It looks like all is lost and then suddenly the white wizard Gandalf comes dazzling and the Titans and the people of Rohan are saved. Well today we're not going to be preparing for any kind of battle as a church but we are going to be exploring together what it means for us to be a community of hope, a community rooted in hope. And hope is desperately what our world needs to see and hear right now. After the year that we've all experienced, it almost feels like our world is devoid of any hope. Whilst the vaccination is amazing news, did you notice how utterly flat the nation seemed in the last lockdown? Despite the path to unlocking being announced and the vaccine providing light at the end of the tunnel, People were just carrying huge hurts, massive disappointments, loss, grief, and above all, a complete exhaustion from the effects of the last year. And the reality is that those things aren't just going to go away overnight. And if you're not convinced by that as a reason for us to be a community rooted in hope, then let me give you a few other societal trends that speak to the need for us to be a community of hope. Firstly, in this era of post-truth where our culture encourages you to find and speak your own truth, the effect actually seems to be even more levels of division, injustice and isolation. You only need to turn on the news just to see more and more division, isolation and injustice. We're in a world that is dominated by consumerism, even, even more so in the, in the lockdowns of this last year. And we're experiencing a culture that is anti-community. You might not know it, it's subtle, but actually the more we buy, the more we crave, the more we want more instantly, we go against the very heart of community. We consume more, we create more waste, and we share less. And let me tell you, the big sellers like Amazon, well, a quick search on their ethics will show you that their business model is totally anti-community. And another one, in this world of fake news with the distraction of social media, the dangers of comparisons online, people seem to be losing their meaning and purpose, even more so in this pandemic. We seem to have lost the realization that we are actually all connected. We're a part of something much, much bigger. I could list more, but the point is for G2 to best serve the world, we need to rediscover what a hope-filled community looks like. We're called to be a community of hope. And I don't mean a, a fleeting hope that's equated with some kind of unfounded optimism or positive thinking. No, I mean a hope which is secure and doesn't disappoint 
because it's founded on the assurance that we have peace with God through Christ Jesus, that we're set free from sin and death through Christ's resurrection and that we will reign with him forever. Now, when you put it like that, that is a ridiculously good hope and it's just the hope that our world needs to see and hear. So how on earth are we going to become a community of hope? And what does this look like? Well, thankfully, there's a lot we can learn from the early church. Because when Jesus walked on the earth, his teaching inspired a radical alternative model for living that went on to transform a broken, unjust and divided world. We're going to look at two different passages today to help us unpack some key things about what it means to be a community of hope. So let's lean in. Let's focus. Let's see what we can learn about being a community of hope. Let's start in the book of Romans with the Apostle Paul, Romans 12 verses 1 to 5. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not have the same, all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. There is so much in this passage that we could think about in terms of how it tells us to live our lives differently as followers of Jesus not conforming to the patterns of this world. Maybe those subtle post-truth trends or those consumeristic habits I shared earlier, or the challenge to think humbly about yourself when our culture tells us to share, present all our achievements and what we're doing constantly on social media. But I don't want us to focus on those things right now. Though, to be honest, it's a good idea. You could take a look in the mirror. I did this recently around these things and I was so challenged about my use of Amazon, how it was driving consumeristic trends in my life. But instead today, I want us to lean into the part where Paul speaks about community. He's teaching the early church and he describes them being like a body. Let's listen to it again, but this time in the message version. In this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. Each part get its, gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we are talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of his body. 
First point to note is that we are like various parts of a body in the fact that we are all different. We are united in diversity. Probably sounds obvious, I know, but it's worth saying. Being a follower of Christ isn't about all being the same, liking the same things, or even doing the same things. That would be pretty weird and it would be more like a cult. No, our unity and connection as different parts comes from the body as a whole. And what body are we referring to? The body of Jesus Christ, his holy people. Or as the NIV version we read earlier says, it's in Christ that we form a united body. Though many parts, each member belongs to the other because of Jesus. This is such a powerful and important message for us to hear. The truth is, if we're to be a community of hope, then we need the world to see that our belonging together actually matters and makes a difference. That means that my attitudes, my choices, my behaviours will knock on and affect others for good or bad because we are a body. So let's think about this. If I choose to think too highly of myself, if I become proud, if I speak unkindly or judge others harshly, which is so easy to do, then I harm the body and damage our community of hope. So how on earth is this possible, I hear you ask. I know, I was thinking exactly the same. Well, we learn it in the passage because we do not do this on our own. We are told we are in Christ. When we choose to follow him and make him the reason for us to meet and be together, he helps us to walk in step with him. And in community, his Holy Spirit also helps us to gently challenge and encourage one another. That's why fire groups and mentoring relationships are so important to keep us walking together as one body in step with the Spirit. Paul did not want us to miss this message about our belonging together through being connected in Christ. This was radical teaching. For the early church, they were set against a backdrop of hierarchical structures, a Roman empire, legalistic faith systems. And here they're suddenly told that Every person is important. Everyone has a vital role to play and each is connected together because of Christ. This was unheard of. And this is the same message that the world radically needs to see and experience right now. You see, many communities, clubs, campaigns that I see today are connected together maybe because of a, a current cause or a shared interest or because they are similar in background or values. Not so with the church. We are called to be united in diversity and to find our meaning and function because of our connection together being in Christ. So, in a world of division, silos and isolation, people need to see and experience a community of hope that is alive in diversity. They need to see a community that genuinely knows, loves and cares for one another because they understand that they are connected together through Christ. So G2, here's the big challenge. 
as we open up and we're going to be meeting physically together again as a community soon, I want to encourage you, will you take a fresh look at G2 and ask God to help you to see others in G2 as connected to you? Will you ask God to expand your heart of love for the G2 community? Maybe there's someone that you don't always see eye to eye with in G2. Or maybe there are just people that you don't know. Will will you ask God to help you connect with them? Last summer, we went from being two services to one. And so that means that when we meet together in person as a community, there are going to be lots of people that you don't know. Lots of people that you don't know. But we want to be a community that is known for the way that we love and care for one another. Ultimately, if we are in Christ, if you are in Christ, then your meaning, your function and your flourishing comes from being connected to the body as a whole. Our world needs to see a community that is united in diversity because they're rooted in the hope of Christ. Now, the danger with what I've just shared is that you might hear that challenge as, well, I just need to look out for my friends in the church then. I maybe need to get a few other, get to know a few other members of the church and just focus inwards on this community, enjoy this nice, safe community together. If that's the case, then let me correct you. Because in Matthew 5, Jesus speaks powerfully about the role and purpose of those who are followers of him. Let's have a look at it together. Matthew 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people uh, light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. So as a diverse community that is connected in Christ, we are meant to display this for all the world to see. It's not just for ourselves to enjoy. We're to be like a city on a hill, shining out a different way of living and being together, one that's rooted in the hope of Christ, or to be a lamp on a light stand that helps everyone else to see the benefits of following Jesus Christ. This is exactly what the early church did. We read about it in Acts 2, when they devoted themselves to regularly meeting together, to fellowship, to worship, to teaching and to prayer. They enjoyed sharing everything in common, even selling their possessions and goods so that they could give to anybody who was in need. No one had ever seen this sort of community before, this community of hope before. It was radical. It was life changing. And it actually caused a wave of favor to grow towards the believers. So much so that actually many people started giving their lives to Jesus and joining that community day by day. A wonderful example of when Jesus said, let your light shine before all, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. But in this passage, 
Jesus also makes what seems to be a pretty obvious point about not putting a lamp under a bowl. Uh, of course, that would be an utter waste of light, Jesus. What, why are you saying that? I'm pretty sure he made that point for a reason. You see, how easy is it for us to hide the light? Maybe you stay quiet on a justice issue when you should really speak up. Or you too easily go along with the crowd when you know that Jesus is calling you to live a different way. Or maybe there's times when you've denied the light and you've denied the truth of Jesus in your life and chosen not to explain it to somebody. Or you've ignored the needs of others as you pass them by. Or possibly there's some unconfessed sin in your life that is kind of dimmed your light over time. And if we're to draw this metaphor a little bit wider, how easy is it for the church to remain hidden? To just exist for its members rather than the world around us, hiding the light and the hope of Christ that people so desperately need. G2, in this world of sorrow, disappointment, loss and suffering, how are we going to be a community that shines the light before all through good deeds and acts of kindness? Now, this isn't about what we might all just do individually, but we've already established that we're not a church made up of individuals or individual parts. We are a body connected together. And it's time for us as G2 to work out what it means for us to shine our light in the city of York. That people would see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. Do you know, we would love you to pray about this, to ask God how we can bring hope to this city. And please do share anything that you feel God is sharing with the leadership team. Remember, we don't just exist for one another. We exist to shine the light of Christ to this world, to this city. A city that is deeply hurting right now, desperately needs to know, see and experience the hope and the light of Christ through G2. So let's draw this to a close. Two takeaway messages for us today. Firstly, as a church, we are called to be a united community of hope. But for that to happen, we've got to start seeing ourselves as a community, recognising that we belong to one another and that our actions and our choices will affect our effectiveness as a community as a whole. But remember, this is not possible on our own. This is only possible when we are in Christ. That means that he must remain the centre, that he must remain the heartbeat that, that binds us all together. Let's remember that in all our dealings with one another, when we're thinking about who we are as a community. So would you start praying would you start praying that God would give you a fresh vision, a fresh understanding and a commitment to G2 as a community of hope that is rooted in Christ? Would you start making that your prayer? Secondly, for us to be a community of hope, 
we've got to recognize that we don't just exist for one another. We exist for the world. And we need to shine our light in York so that people may say, see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. May experience the power and the presence of the living God. What might this look like? What might our collective good deeds be that we share and bring Christ's hope to this broken world, this broken city? Would you start to make that your prayer too? Would you start to pray about that and ask God to lay things on your heart? God, what do you want us to do as a G2 community? What good deeds can we do to shine your light, your community of hope to this city? Would you start to make that your prayer too? Let us pray. Father God, thank you that through your son Jesus, we have a hope that is secure and does not disappoint. Thank you that we are forgiven of all our sins through Jesus's death and resurrection and that we reign with him forever. God, will you help us to see that what unites us as a community of hope is Jesus. Though we are all different, it's through Jesus that we find our meaning and our purpose. And can we be a community that brings this hope to others' lives? Help us not to keep this amazing hope to ourselves. God, would you speak to us? Would you move us into action that the city of York would see our good deeds and praise your holy name? Would you do this, God, in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.